Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Fun to Brooklyn. Today, we are actually going to chat with our new correspondents, Kayla and Jenny, about their experience during the Shanghai lockdown. So Kayla, do you want to introduce yourself first? Sure, sure. So hi, I'm Kayla. I am born and raised in China, and I went to the States for high school and college, spent a year actually in New York. So got a little bit of Brooklyn connection. And before I came back to Shanghai, I'm currently working at Radii as a staff writer. I primarily write about social issues because I'm very passionate about women's empowerment and um, social justice. So yeah, currently I'm experiencing the Shanghai lockdown situation. I'm really happy to share about my experience later on. <laughs> awesome slash not awesome that you're in lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, I know that you're also locked down in Shanghai in a different part of Shanghai. And I know that you joined me in the last episode, but would love to get another intro from you. Of course. Thank you for the quick introduction. So basically, I'm Chinese Australian. I was born in China, but I immigrated to Sydney when I was young. And I came back to China to do my master's. And I've been based in Shanghai for over a decade now. So it feels like my second home. And right now I'm working in content creation. So in documentaries and in short videos, mainly about China to the rest of the world. Um, yeah, I would love to discuss and talk and share more about my experiences of this lockdown, which is actually my first lockdown. So it has been quite a journey, to say the least. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I've never had to experience in China. So I think as both of you guys know, I was born in Shanghai and then I was raised in the States and went back to Shanghai for high school. What was, I guess, somewhat unique was during high school in ninth grade, that was when SARS hit. But it, the scale of it was nowhere near this. I think we came very close to being quarantined because this one kid in my school uh, had a fever and they had to go to the emergency room. And it turned out it was just like the normal flu. But we had this big scare because like, you know, we thought it would be uh, SARS and our whole entire school would have had to quarantine if it if it was like a positive case. Um, but we were pretty lucky and like, I think, we just like every period after class, we would like wash our hands and everything. So that was like the extent of my experience of a pandemic in China. Uh, but obviously you guys are in like the thick of it. So today, what is April 26th? And, you know, I'd love to hear, I guess, just like how many days you guys have been locked down and what that experience was like. So actually the official lockdown, the official Shanghai lockdown happened, I think starting April 1st, but I have a little bit of fun story because on International Women's Day, I think it was actually my last day working in the office. The next day, I actually was notified by my coworker. She was kind of like identified as a close contact. I think someone at her gym tested positive. And because I was sitting next to her, I was considered as a close contact, meaning that I also had to be put in quarantine per the Shanghai regulation. I got a call from like the healthcare people and they were like, no, you have to like stay at home. They first wanted to kind of like bring me to a hotel and quarantine me for 14 days. But it, it was, I kind of like negotiated a little bit. So I have been staying at home in mid-March and then all the way to now, probably like more than a month right now. That's kind of like how long I have been staying at home. Wow. That's intense. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. For sure. um, yeah. For me, it's actually officially day 27 of my quarantine and from my understanding I'm probably going through the shortest quarantine anyone could go to in Shanghai right now because I started on April 1st 
I, like Kyla started a little earlier, I have heard of people starting in late February. So maybe they're on the 60th day or something. So everyone have different experiences and length with this quarantine because obviously, as you know, it's, it's a bit staggered, the, the lockdown, but the official one was April 1st. So I guess I have a lucky because I start on April 1st, but like everyone else, I thought initially it was going to be a five-day lockdown. And hence, I prepared only for five days. So that has been a bit of a shock for everyone. The fact it lasted into, I guess, technically fourth week now or more. That's crazy. Like, did you ever run out of food? Yes. (laughs) I think I lost some weight in the first two weeks because um, like everyone else, I couldn't get any like fresh fruits or vegetables. And I ended up kind of rationing a little and also I have to cook myself, which also made me lose some weight. But now everything is stable because I think we realized after like a really hot, tough teething period of how to get food like with the group buys and neighbors sharing, it has kind of stabilized in terms of food supply. So no one's really starving, but at least initially in the first two weeks of the lockdown it has been tough on everyone. Yeah, I kind of want to take a step back, right? And talk a little bit about like, how this all sort of started. So Shanghai was this bastion of comfort and safety from what I understand during COVID, right? So I lived in uh, Manhattan when the pandemic first hit, and this was like March of 2021, I believe. Is it March of 2021? Sorry, March of 2020. I think was when the pandemic really hit New York. And by that time, you know, I was already really aware of COVID because my parents were experiencing it. And it was, you know, a lot of folks from Wuhan, like my, my uncle is actually from Wuhan. And so a lot of his friends had gotten it. And there was like this big hubbub around like, you know, this new SARS virus coming from Wuhan back in January and even like December of 2019, um, like there was already news about it. Right. And so like, I remember just like worrying a lot about my parents. I'm like, Hey, like, make sure you like wear a mask when you go outside, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And then when March hit and it got really bad in New York, it was done in China. <laughs> like it, it felt like, you know, people in China were kind of going about their business, doing whatever they wanted versus in New York, our hospitals were getting overwhelmed. Like the biggest issue was doctors were running out of medical supplies. People were overwhelming the hospital. So like all these people who were getting COVID were taking up beds in the ICU Whereas people who were truly, truly sick, like people who had cancer, et cetera, like couldn't get a bed in the ICU or they couldn't get into the hospital, which is actually something that I'm hearing about that's happening currently in Shanghai right now. So like, it's so interesting to see the cycles, right? Like where um, now looking at, you know, New York and uh, America, COVID's over. (laughs) <laughs> at least in America, not that people aren't dying, not that people are not getting it. I think that just no one's really, the government hasn't really cared about it. The CDC just lifted mask mandates, right? So like, I think elementary school kids are no longer required to wear masks. Airlines are lifting these mask mandates. People are going back to work um, at my office. Like nobody's really wearing a mask yet. Like in Shanghai, it feels like it went backwards <laughs> right? from like this complete freedom to now this like complete shutdown. 
So I'd love to hear what you guys are hearing about like why this is happening and like why there's a lockdown and how, like, where did it all stem from? I personally think how COVID is being treated right now, it's a bit of a two extremes, like with the West kind of saying, hey, COVID is over. And with China, with the extreme lockdowns, I think it would be really great if we can be a bit more kind of science driven rather than I think it's quite political right now with with what's going on with with COVID. Um, Having said that, obviously, we are policymakers, but we are basically, you know, normal people and it has affected, I think, the citizens, the normal people who are being affected by it. I understand why China is still keeping with zero COVID policy. There's a lot of factors behind it, including the low vaccination rates in the elderly. But I think there needs to be a balance, especially with the economy, Shanghai being one of the, you know, highest riches and highest GDP cities in China. And you know, the fact that a lot of people are not able to work for a month now, that has really affected the economy. But at the same time with the West, you know, saying dropping the mask mandate when it's proven that masks do work against infection rates. I think that's also another extreme. Just to add on that, I think, so feel like Shanghai and a whole city was doing so well before Omicron was a thing. And then I think it's starting... I, I mean, I'm not trying to like throw shade or anything. I think it started, there was an outbreak in Hong Kong and then it kind of like transferred to Shenzhen. And then in a way, I feel like sooner or later it was gonna get here in Shanghai. And I think the official, the rumor, cause nobody really knew how it really started but the common understanding was that because there was an outbreak in Hong Kong um, it's kind of like come here in a way. But also I think it's worth mentioning that before Shanghai was actually quite, famous for its way to handle COVID because it's not really crazy because they're trying to be very precise in the sense that they're trying to avoid like citywide testing. They're avoiding lockdown. They're saying that there's no way Shanghai is going to be putting a lockdown. They only try to like make policy within the most small area. So they're only going to target, for example, one building or that one street. But I think also because of that, the situation got so out of hand in a way because they're trying to experimenting new ways of handling COVID in a way backfire. But I do feel like it's worth trying because it's just very unrealistic to kind of like go through citywide testing every single day for people living here. Yeah, I yeah. like heard those sort of rumors as well. I think long story short is that clearly uh Omicron is a lot more contagious than previous versions of COVID and people have been getting it. And so now like Shanghai is in the state where it's like completely locked down. Do you guys feel like the situation's getting better? Maybe help me understand like the stages that you guys went through and uh, Kayla, why don't you start? Yeah. So for the first, I remember on the first day, like Jenny was saying earlier, they were saying that it was only going to be four days because people didn't really expect it was going to be this bad. And I think on the, after they did a test on the first day, they in fact announced that they were going to push back the second test. I think people were saying that, oh, probably the number, the data was so horrible. They didn't expect so many people tested positive, um, which I think probably was part of the reason why they pushed back. And then like, you just saw the number really blow up on Weibo because they really updated people every single day. And I think yesterday we had, 10 more than 10,000 something like that I feel like that number itself was quite misleading in a way because those are the people already tested positive put in quarantine center but I think what's the really scary part is that on the society level there are still like 
probably around 200 people testing positive every single day, even after like putting lockdown in 20 days. So theoretically, scientifically, you're supposed to be fine already in lockdown, but still every single day you see like 20, 200 people testing positive, another 200. It does, it, I think it, it is getting better. The number is slightly going down slowlier, but we just don't really know when we're gonna be able to get out of here, at least for my side. I think this whole lockdown has been like a roller coaster. There are good days and bad days. Obviously, the good days where you think everything's under control, you know, looking forward to being released. The bad days when your neighbor tests positive, you accidentally uh, saw a very negative viral news or video. Uh, and there has been a lot that came out of, obviously, I don't have to say it, you can find it on internet. And obviously, bad days, including not getting enough food and good days is where you successfully group bought something and your veggies arrived. So it has been, it's just a feeling of uncertainty and loss of control. I think that has been the general theme of this lockdown. And yeah, by the second week, I try not to look at any of the uh, numbers because I can't do anything about it. So I also hold a healthy a dose of skepticism towards the, the numbers reported because all I know is I'm in my building, in my compound, I, I can see what's happening. People are testing positive after 10 days of lockdown. Um, no one's going out. Where is this coming from? So, you know, it feels almost impossible. And scientifically, I have seen and I've read that, you know, Omicron is super contagious, as contagious as measles and even the common cold. So how do you try to control that? In, in a sense, in, in a society where basically in Shanghai, people live in each other's pockets, kind of in a sense, like there are some parts of Shanghai that's super, you know, not very spacious. So it's really hard to control this. But I know personally, it's been like a roller coaster for me. And I know a lot of people has this feeling of loss of control and uncertainty in them as well. And to answer your question, I do think there is a bit more hope in a sense, I guess we're kind of used to this feeling now. So it's not as stressful as before. And it seems like there is, we are going to the right direction in terms of slowly opening up. So maybe in the next week or two, hopefully something will go back to normal. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, I hear a lot about like this group buying stuff. My mom, she's been like group buying as well. And just the other day, she sent me a picture of, I think it was like five kilos of kiwis. And she bought and she would go and like, there's this like bartering system in her building. So there's this basically like two bookshelves full of like different things that you can barter for. And so she's like, yeah, I exchanged like, she's like exchanged 12 kiwis for like 10 eggs. And, and then I like gave three cans of beer and then like some face masks. And she's like, I got uh, I forgot what else she got. She got like some eggs and then she got some like other types of veggies and maybe like some noodles. <laughs> so she's like just going downstairs and like putting stuff into this like little um, bartering exchange system. And I was just thinking back to like, you know, when I first went to Shanghai in like 2002, I'm like, there's no way that that would have happened. Like people would have been kind of like all that stuff would have been gone or like, I don't know, but it's kind of interesting to see how like neighbors are helping each other out and there's this like little community and slash like free bartering system that's happening inside 
these different communities. I don't know if you guys are seeing that within your communities or where you guys are living. Yeah, for sure. I think um, a key difference of what's happening in Shanghai lockdown compared to like lockdowns happening probably in America or other countries that you can't really go out and buy grocery yourself. So what's going to happen was you're going to organize group buying, which means that you kind of have to probably make like 30 to 50 orders starting at that number. And then you're going to get your neighbors coming together and buy kind of like group buy the whole thing. And in a way, kind of force us to kind of get to know each other. And I really genuinely think group buy saved my life for the whole quarantine, because otherwise I wouldn't know how I would be able to make it. And there's also the term called tuanjang, meaning like the person who organized the group buy. And usually I think there has been just so many memes in Shanghai about like Shanghai tuanjang, like the, I don't know how to properly translate that in English, but people have been really respecting the person organizing group buying and just giving a lot of like respect and like appreciation of people helping each other out. Um, I also noticed a lot of like product exchange or food exchange, like you were saying, and it just feels so surreal because we're in 2022 and still, you know, I'm just exchanging, like, can I have some like vegetable and then it's sounds like funny, but I think you saw how kind people are and it really is the good side in a way out of this lockdown. Yeah, I have lived in my compound for almost three years and I don't know any of my neighbors. I never feel like I need to, you know, but because of this lockdown, we have a building group, WeChat group, and we share a lot of information. Also, like like I said, also bartering. I was lucky to buy a lot of Coke, like Coca-Cola at the beginning. And that itself is like very good bartering uh, currency, so to speak, because I could use a Coke to swap for anything. So I ended up swapping for rice, things, simple things like dishwashing liquid because I ran out. There isn't a meme people like using their cats. Uh, like, you know, you can spend some time with my cat for three eggs or something. And I saw that on, on, online. So it, it's, not, it's not even limited to, to items anymore. It's like other, other things. And it has been uh, this human connection with our neighbors it makes me feel really good. Uh, and it's been great that they are going through this with me. And we're in this together because if our building, our compound stays negative, then we we can go out. So it's like, we are in this together. Like, you know, uh, it's, it's, we can't think about individually. We think about as the whole building as a cohort. And then we try to like help each other, you know, buying sanitizers and, and buying eggs, helping each other out, helping our old neighbor downstairs who don't use uh, online payments. So they'll give us cash and we help them order stuff. So it has been a really nice sense of community. I just realized there are so many old people in my compound. There's a lot of families as well. Two people in my compound are pregnant. I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. You finally put a face to your neighbors, especially in a big city of 25 million, 26 million. Usually we don't really know our neighbors and that's very common, but it really brought us together. I think this time. Yeah. I mean, speaking about like collectivism, right? Like in working as a unit in order to like get through all of this, like Kayla, you've, you've been in the States, right? And then Jenny, like you've been in Australia and imagine if this were to be happening in the States or in Australia, what would the situation look like? I actually think what the Shanghai lockdown showed me is that Chinese people are genuinely 
I, I don't know. I think people are just so kind in helping each other. You know, like China plays a very heavy emphasis on family. And in a way, I really feel that that shines through this time because people are kind of like thinking of each other as a unit. And to be honest, I couldn't really imagine that happening in America. Uh, if that happened in my building in New York, I just feel like people would probably organize a protest first, <laughs> not really necessarily group buying, but organize something against the policy. And in a way, I guess it's kind of like collective action. But um, yeah, so I think it definitely is much less likely to see this kind of group buying stuff working out in America. Yeah, I'd like to echo Carla's sentiments about this also happening in Australia. Uh, firstly, Australia is a very spacious country. So a lot of people live in houses. Yes, maybe in the urbanized areas, there'll be apartments, but I don't think they'll go so far as not letting you go out to buy any groceries. When even during the peak of the pandemic, they can go out once a day to buy groceries. And also if you live in houses, it's easy to hoard, I guess, because you can store things in your spare bedroom and they're a bit more self-sufficient in that way. But in Shanghai, where space is very precious and not many, I don't have a hoarding habit. I, the only thing I buy in bulk is poly toilet paper just because I don't want to keep on going to the supermarket. So I have nothing prepared when this lockdown happened because you can go out and it's so convenient. Uh, to buy anything with the delivery apps, you know, you're in, a, you're in an urbanized area. So everywhere there's restaurants and wet markets and supermarkets, there's no need for you to, to hoard or to buy extra. So when this happened, no one has anything in their home. So with the group buying, it's basically it's out of necessity and, and sharing is because we know we can't go out. That's, I think it's really because of the condition we're, we're forced to be in, that's what happened. But obviously, I always believe that Chinese people are super nice. I obviously believe in humanity. I think everyone's really nice. But I think especially with the reputation of Shanghainese being a bit cold and cold towards outsiders, I think has definitely been broken this time. Like they're actually very friendly and very warm, you know, when, when, when it's needed. I'm proud of my my Shanghai brethren, <laughs> I guess, in, in that sense. I mean, I think you touch upon something like super important, which is like, I think there's just a cultural difference between Americans and people in China. And like, I think specifically even like Shanghainese people are its own kind and like its own kind of people. But like in America, I think it, there's so much emphasis on individual rights. And so when you're looking at the news, like, you know, every day when I like scroll through my newsfeed, I always see some sort of article being like Shanghai lockdown, people are going crazy or like, this is the video that China's government doesn't want you to see. And it's like people protesting the, um, the lockdown or like people getting fenced in and, um, all that stuff. Like, I guess, do you guys get a sense of that? living in Shanghai at all? I don't really see it, I guess, like firsthand, because I think, first of all, I'm kind of stuck in my apartment. <laughs> but also, but I do think because I work in media, I have been like actively trying to like gather what has been happening. And also, I think there are a lot of similar tragedies happening besides what's like reported in Western media, you know, like people really running out of food, people really couldn't seek medical attention. And those are the articles also being reposted on WeChat. And you also hear like similar stories from your friends. I have a friend living in Pudong, which is quite not a place you want to be right now because they have really bad COVID handling. 
and also the cases are quite high in Pudong. And I think in his compound, it was just quite hard because you're just so many people testing positive and sort of like the government kind of gave up on your compound and nobody really regulated it. They ran out of supply and yeah, so I do think I am lucky and privileged enough to not really be in that situation, but just by seeing on social media and also hearing stories from your friends, you do, yes, there do. There are some unfortunate situations happening for sure. I think we need to remember that Shanghai is a city of 26 million and there are, you know, 26 million voices out there. And some of them, I, I wouldn't believe everyone said this is fine. Everyone is fine. Everything's under control. I think it's very normal to have voices of dissent, people who are very unhappy or disadvantaged completely by this lockdown, including the the ones with families or with elderly. And also I was affected in the sense I have pets. And at the beginning, we were very worried. There's a pet group where that if we were tested positive, where will our pets go? You know, there are cases and, and stories of pets being killed by the, you know, by the authorities. And that caused me a lot of stress. And there was one time for at least a week, there were reports of children who are tested positive, but the parents didn't. They could be separated, including as young as like two years old. So that has caused a lot of stress. And I believe it's true and it's very inhumane, but I think, you know, these voices need to be heard. Otherwise, how can we reflect to the authorities that this is not okay? I think this is part of a healthy civil society. As much as people say China don't have individual rights, you know, they do get heard if they are reported out in social media and people do help. We posted a lot of cries for help among my groups and then people reposting, reposting. Eventually, they do find people who can help them. And that is the, the beauty of, of, you know, society, you know, who's willing to help each other, especially when it seems like the authorities are overwhelmed, which I think they are very overwhelmed and caught unaware by the scale of these things. Yeah. Controlling a city of 26 million people sounds like a nightmare. It's like the size of Canada, right? <laughs> In the radius of much less than Canada. <laughs> Some of the things that we talked about prior to our recording were just like kind of on the bright side, right? Like different memes that are happening in China. Either it's because people are in quarantine and they're bored and there's like nothing to do, or there's just these like funny trends that are popping up. And I think people are just getting fed up with the situation and just like coming up with like these different things. So like one of the memes that I've heard of that my mom talks about is when you do the COVID test and you have like one line, she calls it xiaobanzhang, which is like a small prefect, basically like the lowest rank, like the secretary general of the student government, something like that. Right. So in China, like there's three ranks. There's like the secretary general who has like, you know, usually in their uniforms patch that they have on, I forget the left or right side, but like it's one red line, uh, one horizontal red line represents like you're the, the smallest rank. And then like you have two red lines, it's like the medium rank. And then three red lines is the highest rank, which is like, I don't know, class president. So now they're just like calling COVID, <laughs> like if you test negative that like, you know, the secretary general shows up, right? So like, it's a funny meme, right? Where you like get this visual and it's like, oh yeah, everything's good. You, everything's fine. If you have like, you know, the secretary general, it's really bad if you have the vice president, right? Like when you have two lines and you're positive. So just wanted to hear from you guys, like what other kind of 
memes or trends that you guys are sort of seeing that his Chinese people are coming up with to really alleviate all the stress and help diffuse some of the boredom? Definitely. I think with the first thing on my mind was that when the whole thing just started, vegetables are something that people just can't really get. And there was a really popular rap song that went viral on WeChat. I don't know has Jenny heard about it. Basically, it made a song out of like, how do you fight for a vegetable? And then it was actually very, I, I think I will play this like at my next party. They kind of like made a video of it and then putting like the, the scene of people at grocery store before the lockdown, trying to fight for vegetable. And it was definitely a very interesting song. And a lot of people like reposted it. I think that just spoke to how much people really resonate with it and really how much people really need vegetable. Besides that, I think I also seen people, you know, like the antigen test is kind of like this shape, like a rectangle shape mm-hmm. and it's white. And then like, in a way it does look, it like looks a- like a pregnancy test. Yeah. Yeah. It does. There are also <laughs> memes about that as well. And there's actually some artists like because you're just, we got so many of those, they kind of like making them into jewelries. Then they make oh. them into earrings, like necklace, and then like making videos of it, like be very fashionable. Um, yeah, so I think those sort of things that people really resonate with and kind of like take a more lighthearted approach to, to the situation here. Yeah. What about you, Jenny? Oh, wow. There are so many. I guess I like to kind of say two things that's made an impression because I like to exercise and being stuck in my apartment has been tough. But I realized there is this uh, viral trend of home workout video by this guy called Liu Genghong. And there's a, there's a meme saying like, Liu Genghong, Nihar, like, I guess it's translated as, uh, you know, the, the girls of Liu Genghong in a sense like, you know, we are basically just doing workout videos. It's like the 80s, you know, when you have like, you know, doing workout videos at home. And there's a lot of memes about that. A lot of celebrities are going into it, kind of almost like an ice bucket challenge where everyone kind of have their own version of it. You know, I saw a girl doing upside down, uh, Liu Genghong, which is incredible. I also saw like a ballerina doing a ballet version of Liu Genghong workout video. So that was really fun because it's very interactive, right? But it also allowed us to move in our tiny space which is, you know, we don't have the luxury of going around to uh, different rooms. And the second one is that there is an artist, I believe in Beijing, that he has, is doing a performance art where he's inside this tiny cube for 14 days and he's, and it's 24 hour live uh, footage, you know, so he has a water bed and he he actually has to go to toilet in front of the uh, camera as well. So it's interesting because he's doing a like performance art. He's, Art imitates life because that's kind of what like a lot of people's going through in Shanghai right now. But the good thing for him is that it ends in 14 days. But that was interesting because people were like, oh, let's look at what this guy's doing. But that's what we're doing, by the way. It's a, <laughs> it's a bit meta. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit meta. Yes, it's a bit meta because, you know, we are watching this that we are actually experiencing things as well. So these two are, I think, just light entertainment because we mentioned before there's negative news coming out and there's nothing we can do about it. But having this just kind of make us forget a little bit about what we're going through. And it's great mentally to to have this. Yeah. I mean, speaking of something to look forward to and like mental um, de-stressors, we always like to end the podcast with asking our guests restaurants that they recommend. But in your guys's cases, I'd love to hear which restaurant you guys would 
probably run to if it were still open. <laughs> which restaurant would you run to if you, you were set free uh, from the lockdown? Straight up to a hot pot store. Like, no negotiation. I'm going to go get hot pot. And actually, can I pick two? Like, <laughs> you can pick as many pot. as you want, girl. Yeah. You've been in lockdown for so long. You can pick whatever you want. <laughs> I've been craving like Korean barbecue as well. And actually, I feel like this is such a brutal question for us. Like now we have to think about it, but <laughs> it's okay. I think it gave us hope. Yeah. It gave us something to look forward to when this is over. So <laughs> Hot pot and barbecue. Can't complain. Sounds amazing. What about you, Jenny? Right now, I'm happy to go to any restaurant, but I'm really looking forward to Western. When I say Western food, like burgers that I don't know how to make myself. So uh, there is a really good restaurant called Green Veggie Cafe that has really good vegetarian burgers and they're really delicious, like kind of like comfort vegan food in a sense. So I'm really looking forward to, to go to that one when this all ends. Lovely. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing just your experiences in Shanghai. It must be really tough, but I feel like there's hopefully the silver lining is that it's going to end soon. And then you guys can go get all the food that you guys want and have lots of freedom to be able to visit friends and family. For sure. Yeah. Thank you for letting us share. I think it's definitely also nice for us to talk about it. And hopefully it, can, it was also informing and fun to listen to. <laughs> So before we finish this episode, uh, be sure to follow us on social media. We're at Bun to Brooklyn on Instagram and Twitter. You can subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast, mostly on uh, Spotify and iTunes and uh, anywhere you listen. And also be sure to email us if you have any questions. We're at b2b at 1990institute.org. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs>